Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So Kristen's on remote, so we are doing our phone thing as opposed to our like full kit gear thing. And so I, you know, I have like my jacket over one of those vents that you can't shut off, you know, in the winter where you have like one of those kind of old hotel office vents that just kind of goes whether you want it to or not. So I have that in the background, but I have to give a little plug since we got a retweet from, uh, Four Seasons last from our from when we talked about the Four Seasons last week, kind of like an ironic tweet from them. Um, I went to yes, (laughs) (laughs) yes, because because I guess Kylie's like, oh, I'll go to brunch with you guys, and so then they they're like, please let us know if you would like to set up a live show, like they (laughs) like like full Uh, like in all seriousness. Totally have to do a live show from the Four Seasons Place. Are you kidding me? Oh, but somebody's got to pay for it or like buy tickets for it or something. I don't think they just want to like barge in. Anniversary. I am taking you out on a breakfast date. You're going to take a live show from the Four Seasons. It's going to happen. I think we should. I will. We definitely get another tweet. Uh, Definitely get a second or third tweet from them. Um, but I have another hotel we can tweet also, and that is the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan. Have you been there yet? I used to live. No. Okay. So it's on Columbia Road by City Bikes. And I used to live like a block from there. And my, the other night, my husband's like, let's go out on a, you know, date night. You really are going to love this place. I'm like, I don't want to go to Adams Morgan on a Friday night. There's going to be too many fights, you know, because when I lived there, we would just look out the window and you could watch fights like you were watching a movie, you know, outside your window because there were just fights constantly. When you say fights, do you mean like, like, like fisticuffs or do you mean like, yes. like a very intoxicated person being very sad because their yes. other has not treated them well and alcohol, you know, masturbating the misunderstanding. That's a good, I've important had those distinction. Fights Morgan, for sure. <laughs> yes, you can definitely see all kinds of fights. I mean, I was really thinking about the full melee, like outside your window, you know? So I'm like, I don't really want to be part of all the fights. And my husband's like, I don't think you're going to see fights here. And it's like a, it, the place where there have been an open air drug market and like a place you could get, uh, you know, counterfeit, whatever. Now there is this gorgeous, gorgeous hotel. And inside they have a little radio studio, like podcasting studio. And apparently it's just for like broadcasting their own radio content, which, you know, hey, God bless. But I was like, what if I, what if we recorded the posters from the line hotel? Like I was like looking at it longingly as we walked by it. So it's very cool. Folks should check it out. It's definitely different than how I remember Adams Morgan when I lived there years ago. Anyway. 
Um, but some things, some things are also different. Our norms in democracy, some things that aren't different, maybe some polling numbers. What are the top lines this week? Kristen. Uh, our president got a good bill of health from his doctor and also is Mr. 42%. What's going on? Who is with him? How and what do we think is driving his numbers to get a little better? Is it in part a result of tax reform? And is Trump himself pulling down the GOP brand or is he viewed as a very unique individual? Then last week while we were recording, um, S. Holgate wrote, you know my policy on swearing for this year, but we will nonetheless discuss uh, the polling around S. Holgate, immigration, DACA, and more. We'll also talk a little bit about the media environment. I believe as we are recording, the president may be doing his fake news media award. Uh, unclear, um, but we do know that 60% of Republicans say they will trust Trump more than their own favorite media source. We'll dive into some polling around trust in the media. And then there is some sweet, sweet polling a month out from Valentine's Day to help you get prepared for this critical holiday and know exactly what type of candy you should buy. Yeah. So all very important of news the week. you can use. Poll of the week. week. Who should Trump be more worried about? Steve Bannon or Oprah Winfrey? Um, I'm amazed. I mean, I guess I'm not amazed because it's Oprah and we're just hungry for it all. And there's still more Oprah polling. We've been, we talked about Oprah polling last week. I saw some state level Oprah polling, which is incredible. (laughs) What I thought was pretty interesting. This is folks from Morning Consult. They asked, uh, who would you vote for? Oprah has a slight edge, 40 versus 38, Oprah versus Trump. But 60% of roughly feel that she should not run for president, which is kind of interesting. So more people feel that she should not run for president than, um, uh, than are voting for her. She leads despite the fact that people don't want, don't want her to run. Um, and in these like Democratic primary head to heads, she, Beats Kirsten Gillibrand because it was pretty sizable. Don't know. She has a slight edge over Elizabeth Warren and she trails Sanders and Biden, which is, and you know, Biden gets it, a this, majority. Yeah. I mean, That's you know, a lot of this, I, you know, oh gosh, we're like that Geico commercial about the conference calls. I feel like I'm like <laughs> two seconds delayed. That, that ad, by the way, have, have you ever seen that? I can't, like, I physically can't watch it without feeling nauseous. <laughs> I don't think I've seen, it, it, I've seen, which one like is that? feeling I get when I watch an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So the whole premise of this ad is that it's, there, it's like somebody calling into a conference call and, you know, the call kind of gets going and then like someone dials in and is like, hey, this is Jim. And then, you know, someone else like dials in and kind of interrupts and then everybody else is like, they try to talk at the same time as someone else and then there's a pause. And then they go, oh no, you go. Oh no, oh, uh, oh no, you go. And it's like, oh, I've been on so many calls like that. This is just making me so uncomfortable right now. Anyhow, I digress. <laughs> just take my tactic and just talk over everyone constantly. And then you won't have that problem. That's, that's my strategy for dealing with that. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I think it's just because of the don't knows with some of these other candidates. But it just was interesting that this was a little bit more of a deep dive on Oprah than some of the other Oprah polls we've seen. So I guess we're going to see more, maybe. 
maybe, but the other person that Donald Trump definitely needs to be worried about from a legal perspective, but maybe not from a public opinion perspective, is Steve Bannon. So right before we recorded, I read the Axios piece about the screw-up Steve Bannon made in front of House, uh, the committee investigating the Russia stuff. Um, it turns out that most Trump voters uh, are not loyal to Steve Bannon at all, not even the ones that really read Breitbart. So this is a poll, and it looks to me like this was conducted via Google Consumer Surveys, if I'm reading this mm. right. I mean, the it's, it's, it's a story that was reported by The Hill, but I'm like, I've seen these charts before. I, I, uh, let me. It's Huffington Post, you go. It's Huffington Post, you go. Is it? These charts yeah. are exactly like the charts that you would see from a Google Consumer Survey. Oh, well, okay. Now I have even more confidence in this. Let's get that HuffPo green. You know, let's get that Huffington Post green. See, I see what you mean. Hello. So this is, they asked people recently, President Trump and Steve Bannon have both publicly criticized each other. Who do you agree with more? Steve Bannon, one person. Donald Trump, 80-something percent. Neither, 20 percent. And that's among Trump voters, so, okay. And then not sure is about a little over 10 percent. And then they map it out based on how frequently do you read Breitbart. And even among people who say they frequently read Breitbart, only 2.9% use Bannon in a Trump versus Bannon feud. So I am, I am pleased with these results purely from an I derive joy from predicting things correctly. I did a TV hit, uh, immediately following Bannon's departure from the White House. And the questions were all like, Oh, how worried should the White House be about this? And is Trump going to lose his base because of Bannon going and all this stuff? And I was very dismissive. Like, I know you all think Steve Bannon is some kind of super genius that's like tapped directly into the veins of the base and like has mind meld control over them. But he is only powerful because Donald Trump has made him powerful. And Donald Trump is Donald Trump absent Steve Bannon. So I don't think the White House needs to be super concerned. And this poll says I was correct. So I feel really good yeah. about that. Give me this victory lap. I believed in Steve Bannon's irrelevance long before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's lost his own base, which is, you know, quite something. Um, I wonder, so, yeah, so I, wonder I don't how many of I, I, I wish. And if our HuffPo friends are listening next time you do this. Can you please ask a question about people, uh, how many shirts they feel it is acceptable to layer on top of one another? We'll be very interested to see what the crosstab looks like of people who believe it is acceptable to layer two or more button-down shirts over top of each other and how that intersects with support for Steve Bannon. Yeah. Well, you know, he's just, he does, are you, he are you up his on own the Steve path. Bannon fashion beat? Yeah, no, I, he, as he, as, Quoted in the Michael Wolf book, he calls his own plays, except his own fashion rules, you know? Um, so <laughs> meanwhile, the Trump average of approval, his approval rating in Huffington Post, um, he's at 42%, Mr. 42%. I mean, it looks like a real, looks like a bit of a bump over the last. Yeah, this is a real thing. This is a real thing. The real his thing. numbers look back, look like they did back in the either the early days of his presidency um you know around sort of things things started to go south over the summer and then you know were were pretty dismal and then all of a sudden tax reform
storm passes and everybody goes home for the holidays and those numbers are starting to look a little better. And uh, it would not surprise me if the tax plan is part of it. We've talked on the show about all this polling that shows uh, voters don't really like the tax plan. They think it's going to be tax cuts for millionaires and billionaires and all that stuff. But since the passage of the tax plan, the numbers have improved a bit. So among those who approve or disapprove of the tax plan, among uh, overall approve, has got, it, it went from being underwater, like a net negative 21, 58% disapprove, 37% approve. So now it's pretty much even um, that some of that growth has come from Republicans coming home to it. You see about a seven point bump among Republicans. Some of that has been Democrats feeling a little more positive about it, but we're talking, you know, eight to 13 percent. But it looks to me, I mean, in order to make this math work, you've got to have an even bigger bump among independents. And so if you are Republicans, this is somewhat good news. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're out of the woods. There is generic ballot data that we didn't even talk about last week that like Quinnipiac had B plus 17. It is it is still scary, scary times to be a Republican. but. Trump's numbers improving a little bit and the tax plan's numbers improving a little bit is a positive sign of life. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that is a positive sign of life. If you look at all these other Trump numbers, these ratings, people are doing lots of, you know, we're one year in kind of year in review ratings of Trump. So CBS uh, has a pretty substantial poll. Politico Morning Consult has polls as, as usual. And the numbers, I mean, there's just no way to, to sugarcoat these and say that they're good, it's good news for the president. I mean, you have a plurality say they're strongly against Trump. Um, you have a plurality say, this is in the CBS poll, that the State of the Union is worse than it was a year ago. Um, he gets bad ratings on a variety, net negative ratings on a variety of different dimensions. Has he made your culture and way of life safer? Two thirds say no. Um, has he made the economy better? Two, you know, a majority say no. Um, has he made the borders more secure? No. Has he lowered the influence of big donors and lobbyists? No. Has he been a role model? That's where you get the worst numbers. 73% say no. Um, you know, this, it's, uh, it's tough stuff. I mean, if you look at, Politico morning consults, you have like really large numbers who give uh, the president D or F. Um, I mean, it's hard to look at this and say that he's doing well. You have, you know, plurality, give him a D or F and only a third give him an A or B. 14% give him a C. And if you look at different, you know, beneath the surface on the economy and jobs is where he's doing a little bit better. You have plurality, give him an A or B as opposed to a D or F. But on everything else, he's you know, he's pretty much doing, gets more D's and F's than A's or B's. I mean, it's it's really hard to look at this and feel that there's good news here. Yeah, it's so if the question is, is he doing well? I think the answer is no. The question is, is he doing better? I think the answer is a little bit yes. So it's it's all kind of relative. Um, is it, you know, things can be in bad shape, but be very slightly improving. Um, and you can choose to look at that as as good news if you're a, a, a Republican and you're looking for bright spots. Um, the other thing from this poll that I thought was really interesting, this question about which comes closest to your view of President Donald Trump. Um, and this is one that says either one, I am a strong Trump supporter, period. 
do. I am a Trump supporter, but to keep my support, he has to deliver what I want. Uh, I am against Trump now, but would reconsider him if he does a good job. And I am strongly against Trump, period. So the strongly against Trump folks, that's 40-ish percent. Um, same About the same number say that they think the country is worse today than it was a year ago. So a majority of Americans don't necessarily think that Trump is a total disaster. Four out of ten do. And that's why like the idea of Trump's job approval really ever getting above 50 percent is hard to imagine because there is just 40 some percent that will never they will not budge. They think he's horrible. They can't fathom why anyone would like him. And that is a number we have consistently seen across a lot of stuff. This the idea I am a strong Trump supporter period of 18 percent. That's a little lower than what I had originally said. I thought Trump's core base was. I think Trump's core base is closer to the 27 percent who think that Donald Trump is a role model. Um, but nonetheless, I think his, his strong base is certainly smaller than the base of those who really dislike him. And it does not seem that those numbers have moved, but there is this group in the middle that they have problems with him. They don't seem to be completely off limits. If he were to stop doing things like the S-hole gaffe, I don't I guess you can't even call it a gaffe. A gaffe implies it was a mistake, not right. just a statement of an actual belief that he believes. So I won't call it a gaffe. But if, if things like S-hole gate were not the case, I, I think it actually is possible to imagine his numbers continuing on an upward trajectory. But it just seems like every time something happens that could cause Trump's numbers to go above 40% and stay there and continue climbing, you get something dumb or horrible that happens that that kneecaps all of that yeah i mean it's it, it, you know the, the problem with this so with this four point trump number and it's it's obviously going to be correlated with what we see with approval or favorability and you see the same pattern here which is not only for, is the overall opposition higher than overall support the intensity with opposition is is overwhelming while the intensity with support is less so so you, that's why you see similarly when you see Democrats who like 90% are unfavorable or give him poor job ratings and just a handful give him positive ratings or they're over, you know, they feel very strongly, very unfavorable or very strong disapproval ratings. With Republicans, you'll see, you know, not quite the mirror image. You won't see 90% of Republicans give him strong favorable ratings. It, it, it's a little bit more muted than that. And that's where the opportunity for Democrats come from. I just thought it was sort of a, uh, like a funny, I mean, a couple of things in the CBS four point number is that the strong Trump supporter actually has dropped. So it was 22%. Now it's 18%. This strong against Trump, which they call resistors, uh, which I thought was interesting, sort of using that kind of resistance language was 35%. This was, I think, a couple months ago or, you know, maybe in the spring. Now it's 41%. And that 18% that I'm against Trump, but I could reconsider him if he does a good job, they call curious, like they're Trump curious, which I thought, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, curious is not in the, in the question, but it's kind of funny that that's, um, that's how they, how they label it. Anyway, um, and couple, then a couple of wine coolers and all of a sudden they could see themselves putting a maga hat on. You don't yeah. know. Things could get weird. Things could get weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and what I think is not a surprise, although it's hard to know what people are thinking when they answer this question is they, and this is again, CBS poll in his policy views. Do you think, 
do you see Trump as a typical kind of Republican or a different kind of Republican? Overwhelmingly, people say he's a different kind of Republican. But what does that mean exactly? Is not totally clear from this proposal. I mean, from this question, but interesting. I mean, it is part of, you know, the broader complications of how we talk about this and talk about Trump in the current political environment. Is he Republican or is he not like other Republicans or Republicans distancing themselves from him? Do they lose the Republican base or his base different? Do Democrats try and tie everyone to Trump? Um, or, you know, it, is that not credible because people see Trump as a different kind of Republican? That's a little bit of what that question captures. Yeah. And I think that for the midterms will have implications for, you know, it may be easier to link someone in Congress to Trump where you can say, oh, they voted for X number of bills that President Trump signed or whatever, which I have tons of criticisms with the way some of those like, oh, Jeff Flake voted with Trump 96% of the time. Like, I have tons of beef with those stats that we could discuss at another time. But, you know, for someone like a governor, maybe it's easier to say, this was the subject of my examiner column this week, that if you're a governor and you're doing a good job and the state is going fine, even if you are a Republican governor in a blue state, if the strategy is to say, oh, like, Charlie Baker is a Trumpy kind of governor. Like, is that really going to work? Or if you're running against him, you have to do something else. Or So that was kind of what I tried to tackle. And as long as most people don't think Trump is a typical kind of Republican, I, th- I think that complicates that message. Yes, right. Now I saw so at it, least right, requires you... that you come to the table with more data to say, this is why this person is just like Donald Trump. Right, right. Or not that they're just like Donald Trump, but maybe that they're not doing enough to, you know, to protect people from Donald Trump. That would be kind of the next step to go. But yeah, I guess you saw that poll um, in Massachusetts that showed Baker, Baker strong, but with Trump's numbers just terrible in a state that was like three to one Democratic. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a bunch of, now look, this is, Chris Christie just finished his term as governor in New Jersey yesterday. So he's an example of how to have a really horrible job approval number as a Republican <laughs> governor of a blue state. Um, but you have Charlie, I think it was in October morning consult did that battery of all the governors and what their job approval was. And of the top 10 governors or of the top eight governors in America, five of the top eight were Republican governors in blue states. It was like um, the governor of New Hampshire, the governor of Vermont, Charlie Baker, Larry Hogan in Maryland, and there was one other one that I'm going to forget. Oh, this is going to drive me crazy. Halfway through the show, I'm going to remember who this other Republican governor Sandoval? in a blue state is. Was it Sandoval? Sandoval. Yep. That's right. That was it. So it was, and look, I mean, they've all, they're all going to have different, uh, you know, challenges. I, I don't even think all of them are up for it. Like, I think Sununu was just elected, so he's not up this year, but, you know, some of them are. and. It's going to be, you know, a wave can take out, take you out, even if you've done a lot to shore up your support and build a strong seawall around yourself. But um, they're in better shape than you might expect if the president really was going to be an anchor around their around their necks. Yes. Well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, meanwhile, back to and we weren't going to put that. We didn't put that in the script, but we did talk a little bit about so that funny that we just ended up having, doing a little conversation on that but um the the, this this week out in the states yes this week out in the states yes um (laughs) really locking down that that script in advance (laughs) um 
Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. So uh, meanwhile, just like we have a lot of polling on Oprah, we don't have a lot of polling on these asshole comments that we didn't have last week. Um, like several people tested it. So CBS tested it. Business Insider tested it. Do we have another one? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that, I don't know if Maureen Consult Politico did it. No, I think we just have two, but I'm sure we'll have more within the next, you know, little bit. Um, and 40% said that they had heard a lot about Trump's comments and three fourths said, this was in the CBS poll, that they were inappropriate. Um, Business Insider found it, they asked it differently. They said, is it comment racist? Um, which then you had people more divided on whether they thought it was a sign that Trump is racist or if the comment was racist. Don't check. That's different than inappropriate, obviously, in terms of a standard for people. And there it's a little bit more divided. Um, you know, the question is, how long does this news item stick around? You know, it's stuck around a little bit more. And this is that the comment, the question is that the comments were racist rather than what does it say about Trump's personality? Um, does this comment stick around longer than some of the other news nuggets of this ilk? Um, it's certainly been around for a while. And certainly as we continue to talk immigration and DACA and the potential government shutdown, that's just another, that's just another reason to keep this story around. Um, it doesn't, you know, there's nothing that has happened as the conversation continues to make the story look better for Trump. Any of the hearings or Republicans trying to explain what they heard or didn't hear, didn't hear. Um, it, it, it's actually, and we'll talk about the news and the news and the polling in a, in a minute. I mean, it certainly galvanized public commentary against the president and for, you know, saying very clearly and concretely that he uses words that are racist. There's really no other way to describe this kind of language. Um, so what, what are you seeing in, in Republican media and Republican circles? Well, the thing that stuck out to me about this, it's not necessarily a from Republican circles thing, but did either of these questions actually say the word? Mm. Because it looks like the CBS poll, all the question wording is, how much have you heard about reports of President Trump's comments regarding U.S. immigration from African countries and Haiti? And then follows it up with, from what you've heard, do you think the president's comments were appropriate or inappropriate? But at no point does it use the asshole phrase. And the Business Insider one, we can't, it doesn't actually show top lines. Um, certainly, I think there is, you know, within Republican land, there's the, uh, if he said it, that's bad, but we don't really trust the media. So, you know, we can deny that we believe that it was even said. Um, so this ridiculous splitting of hairs happened where people said, oh, it wasn't that he said S-hole, it was that he said S-house. Like as if somehow that 
makes it it all better. And then, of course, there's the reports. Well, Lindsey Graham, in the course of the meeting, push back and say, like, no, Mr. President, that's not right. And then denials of that and the whole mess. So this is just one of those where like conservative media itself gets very split, where you have the folks that are like, oh, Trump, come on, stop it, you know, expressing uh, agitation. You had Mitt Romney tweet out uh, that he, you know, disagreed with these comments, that we should welcome people from other nations and what have you. So there are big divides on the right. But among Republicans, you have only 10 percent of Republicans in that Business Insider poll saying, yes, I think those comments were racist sort of lines up with all of the stuff we see about Republican job approval of Trump. A lot of other people think, don't think very highly of Trump, but his own party really likes him. Yeah. I, you know, at the end of the Business Insider article, it says exactly 50% of respondents said they were offended, and more than half, 54%, said it was appropriate for the media to repeat Trump's language. So I wonder if they use the language in it, if they're asking about whether or not it's appropriate to repeat the language. Otherwise, what are you, if you're not using it, how... I guess whichever way you go, whether you use it or you don't use it in your poll question about whether or not it's appropriate for the media to use it, are you influencing respondents in some way by whether or not you think? Because if you're not, offended by the word, you hang up or is this a, this was an online, it was online. you click away. Because, yeah. Yeah. And are you, are you, so, are you implying that it is inappropriate or appropriate to use if your polling question, you know, does or doesn't include it? I mean, that's, an interesting little side side question um, that you know we'll see. And ultimately, it's not about the vulgarity; it's about you know the sentiment, and it's not about just this one time. It's about a whole pattern of language, um, and that's what makes this particularly offensive and egregious. And why I think this is sticking around um, a little bit longer. And it's also at odds with where voters are on these immigration. Concepts, too, if you look at DACA. Including a majority of Trump voters. Yes. So, yeah, this is the CBS polling with YouGov. Uh, do you a favor or oppose DACA? And it explains it in a fairly neutral way. 70% of people favor it, including 50% of Trump, 51% of Trump voters. So they're pretty split. But it, this is not the only group here that says that they, a majority opposes DACA. Is that hardcore 18% I support Trump, period. Which so here's what's really interesting. These are people that say, I support Trump, period. I support him, even if he doesn't deliver, I am with him. So if they support Trump, period, and Trump supports DACA, would these folks stop supporting Trump? Or would they start supporting DACA if if Trump winds up signing some kind of a bill? I am very curious to see which way that goes. Because we know Trump can influence the way his supporters look at things like Russia, et cetera, trade. I mean, gosh, Republican Party views on trade in Russia have changed so much in the Trump era. So if Trump comes out and says, yeah, 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 I'm an immigration hardliner and we're going to build the wall and blah, blah, blah. And he says all this really hardline stuff about immigration. But let's keep the dreamers here and actually put pen to paper signing some kind of a compromise. I wonder if those numbers don't move. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, in order, I mean, I don't know, maybe people do move around just at the whims of the president, right? I mean, you saw, what was it, Mitch McConnell, somebody said, look, we need to figure out what the president's, what he thinks about this issue. I and mean, obviously his own views 
seem a little hard to pin down, even on his core issue. Um, you know, the way a real leader moves his base and moves voters is by giving a persuasive, compelling argument in favor of one thing or another, which, you know, it's not, not quite his jam, is it? No, not, not quite. Um, <laughs> Um, so but, you know, uh, I mean, I guess I should just, I just want to like close the loop. I mean, Doc in particular, but also the wall is now less popular than it's been in the past. I mean, 58%. Oh, this is a, a deal that's, a, I guess it's unclear where voters are on that, but there's, there's lots of public polling. I don't think we have it here that shows that the support for the wall itself has dropped, um, over, you know, over the past few months. Um, while support for DACA itself is, you know, quite strong and probably stronger than maybe people who are not following polling might think. So, um, you know, this is something that I've noticed and has been kind of problematic in how people talk about polling for a while, which is people make this assumption that immigration is very divisive and very polarizing. And, you know, there, there are large groups of people who are just like against all of it. But when you really ask about some of the specific policies behind it, you can see a lot of bipartisan support. Yeah. Um, so let's move to this media conversation then, because I think this poll is really interesting. Um, it's a poll that was done by Gallup. Uh, it's, it's a poll that was done by Gallup and I think the Knight Foundation on uh, on the importance of the news media in our democracy. Um, and by the way, I'm going to, while we're talking about this, I'm going to go dig up. There was some historical data that I saw uh, yesterday floating around on Twitter where they've asked a question about, do you think that the media nowadays, even if they don't get everything right, that there's generally enough right information that you can figure out the truth from reading the media? Or is there not enough good information that you have to just, you're on your own? And the numbers have changed hugely in the last few decades. While, while you talk about your reaction to the poll, I'm going to find that number. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it, so part of what this found is, it, I mean, it confirms what people have been observing and suspecting for a while, which is people find the media incredibly important. They think it's critical for people to know what's happening, to hold people accountable, to be objective. You have majorities finding that stuff, you know, critical. Another third, roughly or more, finding that very important. These are clearly important goals for the media. Um, there's just a lot of disagreement over how well the media does on this. There's massive amount of party divide. And then there was, let me see if I can find this. There was a quite a bit of, there was a large party divide on the definition of fake news and what fake news is and how they view fake news. Um, it, it just reinforces you have Democrats giving the media much higher marks than Republicans. Republicans overwhelmingly giving the media very poor marks. Um, what does this mean for how people consume news? And how is this even getting any better? I mean, it's a downward trend in trust uh, for the media. It's It can both contributes to and reflects the fractured na nature, nature of our news. And it's part of what makes it very difficult for people you know, to get any kind of story. Yeah. So this is, I found the, uh, the graph. So it was tweeted yeah. out by Scott Clement, 
Um, and it was, they, they've asked this question both in 1984 and then today. And the question is, although there is some bias in the news media, there are enough sources of news to be able to sort out the facts, or there is so much bias in the news media, it's often difficult to sort out the facts. That in 1984, by a two-to-one margin, people said, there's enough sources of news that I can sort out the facts. Today, it's split almost half and half. 50% say there's enough sources to sort out the facts. 47% say no, there's so much bias, it is difficult to sort out the facts. So went from a two-to-one advantage for, yes, there's a way to have to understand facts to uh. people being pretty split down the middle. I'm going to dig up to this number about who would you trust more. I don't think it was from the same poll, but it was you know, who do you trust more, your favorite news source or Donald Trump? And for Republicans, 60% pick Donald Trump over their favorite news source. Oh, well, all right. So here's the, the fake news number. You had almost three-fourths saying inaccurate information on the Internet is a major problem. Only 50% feel confident that other people can sort through the bias to figure out what's facts or not, right? That's that's comparable to the number you were talking about. Um, but when asked what constitutes fake news, 40% of Republicans say accurate news study stories that cast a politician or group in a negative light should always be considered fake news. That was one of the you know, key takeaways from this report. I mean, that is, you know, it, it, it's, it's a problem. It's problematic within the Republican Party, but it's problematic for all of us. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't have an easy fix? How do you fix that other than time? Like, how do you fix that um, without some sort of, you know, collective set of actions, which doesn't seem likely. Right. Well, the, and, and this one, so the poll number that I mentioned about the, who do you trust more, your favorite news source or Donald Trump? So this is, it's a Marist poll done with NPR and, and, and PBS NewsHour. I mean, that to me, the idea that it's it's not just saying, do you think the media is doing a good job or not? Because I mean, there are, I, the media is not a monolith. I think there are media sources that do a good job. I think there are media sources that are shoddy in their sourcing or run stories too quickly or have reporters who are really bad about concealing their own personal views in a way that makes me not trust their reporting. Like These are all things right. that, that I believe. But I do have favorite news sources that I trust and that I think are credible and that are not just like partisan hacks news site. And the idea that I would even have a favorite news source, but yet somehow there are people that go, even this favorite news source, Donald Trump says they're wrong, then they're wrong. I mean, that's like, head explode. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's very tough to, that's very tough to overcome. You know, I can appreciate why reporters feel, you know, overworked and underappreciated currently, you know. Um, okay. So just another reason to eat our feelings with some Halloween, I mean, not Halloween, Valentine's Day candy. (laughs) Um, it's never, it's never a bad time to hear about what America's favorite candy is. We saw a, somebody sent, we always love to reward good, appropriate on brand pitches. And this was one that said in the headline, we think you're going to like this. I was like, well, you're right. I actually do like this. Um, so what is everyone's favorite candy for Valentine's Day? Do they kind of have a little bit of a complicated data biz thing here going on about 
favorite candy, conversation hearts versus a heart-shaped box of chocolates versus everything else. But like everything else is overwhelming, but the chart kind of emphasizes conversation hearts versus heart-shaped boxes. I don't know if like it was an open end and everything else just got like one or two percent or they only had three categories and it was conversation hearts, heart-shaped box of chocolates and other. I'm not totally sure, but the a plurality comes in that 10% say conversation hearts. It's not like a really like massive number, but that is what counts as the, as the winner here. Um, I don't know if I really like conversation. I hearts, love conversation honestly. hearts. <laughs> you don't No, oh. I mean, they're cute, but they taste like, they taste like chalk and this conversation, they had some other quick facts. They actually put a lot of thought into this release. There's like stuff for every state that clearly somebody spent a lot of time on. Um, Conversation heart candy vodka infusions. What do you think about that? I don't. Uh, I think that's no, a hard. No. I think that's a hard pass for me. No, but I, I'm okay with conversation hearts, even acknowledging that they do kind of taste like chalk. Mm. Like it's a. It, it, I'm kind of okay with it. Like mm. it's a. It reminds me of, you know, when everybody was like swapping candy and Valentines in like the third grade, and you had to bring in stuff for everybody in the class, like. I don't know. It takes me back to a time when things were easier and I was more innocent. Yeah, I guess so. Now you are not allowed to bring in candy. That's like a new, that's how schools do it now. So is that a Tacoma Park thing or is that? I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe it's a Tacoma Park (laughs) thing, but it's true in a couple (laughs) different schools, but maybe it's just where I am. It's possible, right? <laughs> we have not seen, I mean, you can get vegan marshmallows at our local store. There's no regular marshmallows, only vegan marshmallows. I don't know if there's like, you need to have a vegan conversation. I don't. What's in marshmallows that's not It's the vegan? gelatin that what's makes in... it kind of, that holds together. Gelatin oh. is an animal product. So there needs to be other ways to do it. Um, anyway, so then they had even had an interactive little map of the country where you can see what other kinds of candies people like I sometimes those charts I think they have to show like different stuff so they kind of make big differences that don't really exist but if you like clicking on states filled with candy then you will like their map um and caramel flavored chocolates are the most popular in those boxes and more people prefer chocolate over flowers I guess that's probably true I guess I would prefer chocolate over flowers I don't know. I think it would depend on what type of flowers and would depend on what type of Definitely depend on like it. If we're talking. Yes. yes. If it was like a cheap version of both, I would definitely prefer flowers over chocolate. If it was a, a nice version, of, not nice, but a luxurious version of both, then I would prefer chocolate over flowers. That's where I come down on that. Um, okay. So key findings. Whether what did we it's learn? S-hole, S-house, or S-show. None of it makes for a very good conversation, Hart. <laughs> How many Oprah polls do we need to talk about before the pollsters becomes one of her favorite things? Just someone tell us that number and we'll do it. And Trump gets some ungentlemanly grades. Not really a surprise. And voters agree more than disagree on DACA. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Mero and at K. Soltis Anderson. You can find us at www.thepolsters.com or on Facebook. 
If you haven't yet, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a review. Tweet at us. Let us know what you like in the show uh, so we can make sure we're bringing you more of it. And we will look forward to chatting with you guys Thanks. next week. Thanks. Bye.